putting his car in reverse and the reverse lights come on. I am hauling booty out of that parking lot because I think probably it's going to be likely he's going to run into me. (laughs) Where did this come from? Well, I was just taking off of what Pete Moss just said. He's better at backing up than doing anything else. You know what I'm talking about. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. It is Tuesday. Tuesday here, you know, second hour, Steve Baker will be with us from Washington, D.C. I think he's there. He may be somewhere else. I think he's got a couple of shows that his band's going to play this week, but I'm not sure where they are. Nevertheless, we've got telephone, and so we'll dial him up, and he'll join us in the second hour. What's between here and there? A lot of information. A lot of things you want to know about. In fact, the big banana on the show today, especially in the first hour, happens to be the pending arraignment and subsequent arrest of the former president of the United States, the only president in United States history that is going to be indicted for a felony. O-M-G. Well, don't say nothing can happen. (laughs) This is the U.S. Anything can. We'll get cranking right after this one. You'll like this. Please don't see Just a boy caught up in dreams and fantasies Please see Now for someone I can see Take my hand Let's see what we wake up tomorrow Best laid plan Sometimes it's just a one-night stand I'll be damned Cupid's demanding back his arrow So let's get drunk on Careful turn 
movie fan, you need to watch that movie, Lost Stars. Oh, my gosh. I'm not going to tell you anything about it, but I'll tell you this. Have a hanky or a Kleenex handy because you're going to boo-hoo. But it is a great movie, great acting, and, of course, good music. That's one of the songs from Lost Stars. Well, well, well. This isn't a rock and roll radio show. This is where we wade into those important things. You know, things that are life-changing for all of us or potentially life-changing. What would that be today? Well, I don't care who you are. I don't care what country you live in. American government is important in your life, not just for Americans. Far-reaching, everything we do, everything that emanates from the Potomac Valley is important to everybody on the planet. That's a scary thought, isn't it? But it is. And so we've got a lot to get into today. Don't forget Steve Baker at the top of the hour. We're going to wade into some of the corruption, the graft, and all that stuff. You don't want to miss the second hour. Of course, if you're listening right now, and you are, if you're hearing me, the first hour is just as important. So what do we got today for you? What do we have in our bag of tricks for you? Well, we don't have any tricks. But what we do have is some explanations. Now, this thing about Alvin Bragg, that district attorney, that hardcore leftist district attorney in Manhattan, he has, from the very get-go, had Donald Trump. I guarantee you he's got uh, a target with the bullseye, a picture of Donald Trump in his office. He is one of those district attorneys and city attorneys and county attorneys around the nation that got millions of dollars in their campaigns from George Soros. Well, George doesn't write the check. What he does is he, in some cases illegally, from one of his not-for-profits, he makes donations to other not-for-profits that then make donations directly to these hardcore leftist district attorneys. That's the case with Alvin Bragg. We knew he was anti-law, hates the law. He's in the law business, and he swore an oath when he won and took that position in New York City. He swore an oath to enforce the laws, and he doesn't do it. This is happening all around America. You do realize that. We have lawmakers, law enforcement people from Washington, D.C. to Podunk, America, that are not enforcing the laws that they swear to enforce when they take office. That's a bad situation, but it's happening all across the nation. We don't hear about them all. We heard about the one in San Francisco. He got recalled. We have another one that they tried to recall once. A second recall effort is looming down in Los Angeles, You've got one in Baltimore. You have another one in Chicago. And you've got Alvin Bragg in New York. Let me blow your mind. Right here in Shreveport, Louisiana, the source of this program, we have a district attorney that got a big donation in his run from George Soros. 
$250,000, which in little Shreveport, Louisiana, quarter of a million goes a long way. It buys a lot of radio ads and TV ads. Well, of course it does. He won. Alvin Bragg has reduced the legal sentences for felons in New York. He has turned half of those from felonies into misdemeanors. How can he do that? Well, he could do pretty much what he wants to, unless and until the people remove him from office. He was elected. That's the problem these days. When we look at our lawmakers in Washington, the ones that sit there and do all these evil things and then don't do the things they're supposed to be doing, and then they appoint people, they hire people that are like-minded, and look what's happening. Our nation's legal structure is devolving into anarchy. Literally. Alvin Bragg's going to do what Alvin Bragg's going to do until somebody stands up to him, takes him out, period. Same way for Los Angeles, Chicago, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Atlanta, all of these places where these district attorneys have just all of a sudden said, we're not going to enforce the laws. We don't want these people to go to jail. Yeah, they broke laws, but we're just going to pat them on the back and give them another shot. And we could spend the whole hour giving you examples of, especially in big cities, where these felons that walk without bail even, they're charged with things that would be felons and should be felons, but Alvin Bragg reduces the penalties for those crimes to misdemeanors, lets these people walk, and they'll go repeat their law-breaking, and sometimes, many times, that comes at the cost of people that live in Manhattan and visitors to Manhattan. So that's Alvin Bragg. He's got Donald Trump in his gun sights, and he's been telling everybody he's going to take him out. So what is this case against Trump? What is it all about? Last night, Tucker Carlson had a guest on. I want you to listen to Tucker just kind of break this thing down, and then this guest joins him, and this guest may have blown up the prosecution that Alvin Bragg has that he's been pitching to a grand jury to get an indictment against Donald Trump. This guest with Tucker may have just blown that whole thing up. Take a listen. In Washington, wrecking your own country is not considered a crime. And of course, George W. Bush knows that well, which is why he doesn't seem worried at all. Criticizing the ruling class, that's what they indict you for. But either way, Donald Trump's former job as president of the United States is not really the point here. Yes, of course you can indict former presidents if they've done something wrong. That's not what this is about. The headline here is that there is, as noted, a presidential race in progress right now. And if you check the polls, you will find that Trump is leading the Republican field. That's the unprecedented thing. Taking out your opponent using the justice system. If the Democratic Party is allowed to do this, allowed to crush the presidential frontrunner, the main threat to their power, with a bogus criminal case, where does that leave us? We're done. Because that precedent will live forever. 
and voters will never again determine the outcome of a presidential election. It's remarkable when you think about it. So after all the yelling from permanent Washington about January 6th and how it was a threat to our democratic norms and the peaceful transfer of power, they've decided to completely short circuit our democratic norms, not to mention the peaceful transfer of power using the courts and prosecutors. What happens if they get away with this? No one seems to be thinking this through. Everyone's all spun up. But what happens if they get away with this? If they use the Justice Department, in full view of everyone, to settle a political score and to keep the White House, just to take a guy out of the race who seems to be doing fairly well, we'll destroy the justice system. And that's not a small thing. A functioning justice system has kept this country peaceful for hundreds of years. The purpose of a justice system is to administer justice so that citizens don't have to do it themselves. You outsource that duty to the government. But what happens when you take that away? When there is no justice system? What happens when the Department of Justice decides that its goal is not justice, but protecting the ruling class at all costs? Think about that. People are still going to demand justice. The desire for justice is an inherent human desire. We are born with it. But if there's no neutral place to do it, some people will decide they're going to have to do it themselves. Ooh. Now, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but we can say for certain it's going to be really ugly. So they hate Donald Trump. Fine. But they don't get to destroy America's justice system because they do. We would never recover from that. Robert Costello was legal advisor to former Trump attorney Michael Cohen, who made the payment to Stormy Daniels. He joins us tonight. Mr. Costello, thank you so much for coming on. So we, as noted, we, you know, we can't know whether there'll be an indictment or, or what's in it. But from the leaks that you have read in, say, the New York Times, how do you assess this case? Uh, weak, to say the least. Um, I just spent two hours or so testifying before the grand jury in downtown Manhattan. And... Uh, I got my point across, although it was clear to me that the Manhattan DA's office did not want to get to the truth. I need to explain that a little bit. I called them up uh, after I saw Michael Cohen on TV stating things that he said he was going to tell the grand jury and had told the grand jury that were contrary to what he told us when we first represented him in April of 2018. So I'm sitting at home watching these lies, and I said, I've got to do something about it. I don't represent Donald Trump, but I do stand for justice, and I think I have a legal obligation to inform both sides. So that's what I did. I had a ton of documents that I had prepared back in 2019 for the Department of Justice. The U.S. Attorney's Office called me up and said, Mr. Costello, we would like to talk to you about your representation of Michael Cohn. I laughed and said, can I presume you have a waiver of, this, of the attorney-client privilege? And they said, you presume correctly. I said, fine, send it over. I'll be delighted to talk to you. Uh, that waiver is very clear. And once we had that, I prepared 330 emails, uh, a bunch of text messages. I prepared a contemporaneous report of our first meeting with Michael Cohn at the Regency Hotel in Manhattan as well as a contemporaneous notes of the interview I had for two hours with the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York, as well as contemporaneous notes of an interview by the House Committee on Intelligence, who sent three investigators to my office, one of whom is now uh, Dan Goldman, a congressman here in New York. 
So I had all of this material ready. I sent it to Donald Trump's lawyer and I sent it to the Manhattan DA's office. And I contacted the Manhattan DA's office and I asked, could we meet with Alvin Bragg? Because I wanted to present this to Alvin Bragg as I had presented it to the Southern District. I wanted him to look me in the eye and assess my credibility. Did I have more credibility than uh, Michael Cohn? Because Michael Cohn, in my uh, opinion, was lying about just about everything. I specifically told them that there were two main points that I wanted to make clear. That Cohn had told us that when we first met him, that he was suicidal. Why is that important? Because when you're suicidal, thinking that that's the only way out of your legal mess, and you're presented with the following options, that you can cooperate against Donald Trump and provide information that would get you a get-out-of-jail-free card, and you respond to us, I do not have any information on Donald Trump. And he said it many times during that two-hour meeting. I swear to God, Bob, I don't have anything on Donald Trump. And I had my law partner who knew Michael Cohn for 10 years on Columbia Grammar and Prep School here in Manhattan because Cohn was on the board of directors. Yeah. Uh, and when I heard him say that he was suicidal the weekend before standing on the roof of the Regency Hotel, I didn't know whether he was a drama queen or telling the truth. So I looked at my partner and he shook his head and nodded, I think he's telling the truth. And later on, we got that corroborated by the Reverend Jerry Falwell and his wife, who had dinner with Michael Cohn, who told him the same thing. Why is that important? Because when you're willing to give up your life in order to avoid these legal troubles, when they're insurmountable to you, and you're offered a way out, you say, all you have to do is cooperate on Donald Trump. Do you have anything on Donald Trump? And he says, no, repeatedly, I swear to God, Bob, I don't have anything then you know that you've got a guy who probably doesn't have anything. It's certainly easier to give up information on Donald Trump than it is to kill yourself. On top of that, while he's making these speeches during two-hour period, he's marching up and down on the other side of the conference table like a tiger in the zoo, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He looked like he hadn't slept in five days. He looked like somebody who was suicidal. And every once in a while, he would stop and point at us when I say once in a while, he did this at least 20 times and said, guys, I want you to know, I will do whatever the F I have to do. I will never spend one day in jail. Now, what he's saying is I'll lie, cheat, steal, shoot somebody. I will not spend a day in jail. Do you think a guy whose mentality is that is going to not admit that he has information on Donald Trump? But having yeah. said that, the DA's office didn't ask me questions to bring that up. And I, I brought it up anyway. I, didn't, I ignored their questions and simply gave them the information. I'm hearing rap in my ear, left and right. Uh, I'll continue if you want, but uh, I- Well, let me just ask you one, one sure. final question, if it's okay, Mr. Cassell. Sure. If, if you were the DA, if you were a prosecutor and you were trying to be fair and honest and serve the law rather than a political agenda, you'd wanna know that, wouldn't you? Absolutely. And I told them and told the grand jury today, I was deputy chief of the criminal division of the U.S. attorneys for the Southern District. I said, I wouldn't touch a witness like Michael Cohn for any amount of money. You simply yeah. cannot rely upon this guy. And tonight, he was on another station denying that he waived the attorney-client privilege. Here it is, in writing, yeah. and that's his signature on the second page. So that's unbelievable. I guess he didn't know that, and the district attorney didn't know that, and I told them, 
Michael Cohen has been in your office 20 times and twice in the grand jury, and he forgot to tell you that he waived the attorney-client privilege 22 times? I mean, really, is this the kind of witness you want to ride to the finish line? Not yeah. in my book. Well, they don't, I, I think all they care about is the finish line, but um, I sure appreciate exactly. the information that you brought us tonight. You're Robert quite Cassell, welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. That's interesting information that may weigh in on whether or not Trump is going to be indicted today, as he told everybody over the weekend, he was being told he would be indicted and arrested today. Well, Alvin Bragg kind of put the brakes on things, and um, everybody's guessing as to why and what's going to happen. Yesterday, Sandra Smith, um, she had Jonathan Turley on her show at Fox. Turley is a constitutional attorney, former federal prosecutor. He understands what's going on. Let's listen to Sandra talk to Turley about his spin on this impending indictment of former President Trump. Well, this is the ultimate grave diggers uh, indictment. He went back seven years uh, to dig up what's really a misdemeanor under New York law. And he's trying to use that to combine it with parts of the federal code to litigate a federal election violation that the Department of Justice declined to bring to court, declined to charge. Now, if that's not weird enough, he has to be able to make that linkage because he's run out of time. I mean, the, the statute of limitations on that misdemeanor is just two years. So there's a great deal of, of problem with this, uh, this indictment that's being reported in the media. Uh, but the real problem, I think, ultimately, is the weaponization of the criminal justice system for political purposes. I mean, Bragg has just given Donald Trump the ultimate case positive of his claim that the system is being used for political purposes. I do think this is a political prosecution. Bragg himself threw a flag on this play. When he came into office, he stopped this case from moving forward. Two of his prosecutors resigned. Yeah. And then there was this public campaign to pressure him uh, to move forward. In your piece, which you begin, it's moving, it's alive, it's alive, it's moving, it's alive. <laughs> Talking about Bragg bringing this criminal case back from the dead. Uh, but you say, um, he, but he may have reanimated Trump's chances. You write this, the 1931 movie Frankenstein came to mind this week as Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg prepared an indictment of former President Donald Trump. It is the ultimate grave digger charge, you write, where Bragg unearthed the case from 2019 and through a series of novel steps is seeking to bring it back to life. Uh, you also, though, detail and write about Bragg attempting something you say many lawyers think is as improbable as the reanimation of the dead. Reanimation of the dead. <laughs> well, Elon Ross, uh, Musk, he weighed in on this. In fact, he pretty much believes Alvin Bragg is going to indict and arrest Donald Trump. And Musk made a prediction. If it happens, it will ensure that Donald Trump will win the presidential election in 2024 in a landslide. You know, Musk is pretty right on with a lot of stuff that he tells us. Just maybe, just maybe he's got that going on. So what's happening? Think about this. What's happening in New York, New York City, Manhattan today? 
Well, every New York Police Department police person is going to be in uniform today. They're anticipating Trump's arrest is going to happen, and they're bracing for protests. D.C., Washington, doing the same thing. And Stormy Daniels, the porn star, from Louisiana, by the way, she has ramped up her personal security. And it leaked out just a little bit ago that the indictment is now set for Wednesday, tomorrow at the earliest. Interesting. All hands on deck for the NYPD and Metro Police, by the way. All officers are expected to be in uniform today, ready for anything. That's in New York City. It's also happening in Washington, D.C. Cops are preparing for unrest demonstrations following Trump's plea to his supporters to protest, protest, protest. Trump, by the way, don't forget this, he's 76 years old. And he told the world last week he expected to be arrested today. An internal memo from the NYPD shows that all officers are to be in uniform, prepared for deployment today. Meanwhile, Stormy Daniels is also beefing up her security after her attorney said she got concerning messages, including some threats on her life. Wow. Law enforcement officials say they are currently No credible threats in New York, even though Tuesday is a high alert day. Washington Metro cops are also preparing, but the U.S. Capitol Police is not currently tracking any direct or credible threats to the U.S. Capitol. That's the Capitol Police methodology, operating procedure. They told us the same thing about January 6th. Oh, nothing's going to happen. The NYPD, it's the largest police department in the country. 36,000 current officers and 19,000 civilian employees. This memo that came out suggests that all 36,000 are expected to be in uniform and on standby. Many lawmakers, politicians on both sides of the aisle, have said no one wants a repeat of January 6th with Republicans claiming they don't expect the demonstrations to turn violent, but warned instead of a political circus surrounding any potential indictment. This is, listen to this stuff. Yesterday afternoon, NYPD met with the Secret Service and the Chief of Public Safety for State Court Officers. In their session, their meeting, It wrapped up at NYPD headquarters late yesterday afternoon with the decision to ramp up security around the courthouse starting this morning. However, that same source said the indictment is not expected until tomorrow at the earliest and that Trump likely wouldn't come to New York until early next week. They had their meeting and discussed a whole bunch of stuff about putting extra lighting out there how they're going to put more barriers out there and send their special response teams in. The NYPD is going to do what they do when the United Nations comes to town with stepped-up security, but they don't even think it's going to happen this week now. Now, they've kind of fast-forwarded. Now they're saying the indictment may happen, but they don't think Trump 
comes this week. There's an additional witness who's going to testify tomorrow. So if there's an indictment, it's not going to happen until Wednesday or Thursday. So they think he probably comes next week. I can't wait to see that arrest happen. And you can bet your bippy it's going to be internationally televised if and when it happens. Alvin Bragg wants a Trump perp walk. He wants everybody in the world to see Trump handcuffed behind his back, walking from a suburban into the New York courthouse. (laughs) Folks, this is absolutely insane. Even the U.S. Capitol is increasing security levels today. Listen to this. They released a statement last night. The sergeant-at-arms said, quote, the United States Capitol Police anticipate demonstration activity across the country related to the possible indictment of former President Trump. It continues, while law enforcement is not traffic, uh, tracking any specific credible threats against Capitol or state offices, there is potential for demonstration activity. U.S. Capitol Police is working with law enforcement partners, so you may observe a greater law enforcement presence on Capitol Hill. After listing various streets where bike racks will remain open to allow for pedestrian transit, the statement concluded by saying Senate Operations Center and State Office Readiness Program are monitoring the situation and are prepared to share important information with the Senate community as the situation warrants. On Saturday, Trump said in a Truth Social post, illegal leaks from the Manhattan District Attorney's Office indicated he would be arrested today, Tuesday, for alleged hush money payments to porn star Starmy Daniels and Playboy model Karen McDougal. He also called for supporters to get out and protest. Here's what he said in his truth post on Truth Social. uh, Social. Illegal leaks from a corrupt and highly political Manhattan District Attorney's Office, which has allowed new records to be set in violent crime and whose leader is funded by George Soros, indicate that with no crime being able to be proven, and based on an old, fully debunked by numerous other prosecutors fairy tale, the far and away leading Republican candidate and former president of the United States of America will be arrested on Tuesday. Protest. Take our nation back. Republicans have rallied around former President Trump since this announcement, arguing that This kind of arrest would be a political abuse of power, and they liken it to a banana republic. The Manhattan DA should focus on the violent criminals terrorizing New York instead of pursuing uh, pursuing politically motivated charges against Donald Trump. That's a tweet from Montana Senator Steve Daines, chairman of the National Republican Senatorial Committee, saying that the New York Times called the arrest Risky legal theory. Times wrote last week an indictment of Trump would be no slam dunk for the prosecutors 
and the conviction would be challenging. Even if Mr. Trump is indicted, they say, convicting him or sending him to prison will be challenging. (laughs) The case against the former president hinges on an untested and therefore risky legal theory involving a complex interplay of laws, all amounting to a low-level felony. And quite honestly, that's kind of pushing it. So Jim Jordan weighed into this. Congressman Jim Jordan, he's the House Judiciary Committee chairman. He said he wants to know how much correspondence occurred between the DOJ Ooh, Merrick Garland's Department of Justice and the Manhattan DA's office in the lead-up to its investigation of Donald Trump. Early yesterday, House Republicans, they showed that their intentions are to conduct queries, queries, I like that, into the potential relationship. Now, Jordan was on Fox News Channel's The Faulkner Focus and questioned the merits of the Manhattan's DA's office investigation, but said it was an open question if allegations Trump was facing go back to the Mueller special counsel probe, that witch hunt, remember that? Jordan said, we want to know what's going on here. We want to see the communications that have that have taken place between the Federal Justice Department and your district attorney's office because, understand, Harris, First, they went after President Trump on Russia. Then it was a phone call with Volodymyr Zelensky. Then they wanted his tax returns. Then they go after his business records. Then they go after his children. And now it's some misdemeanor alleged bookkeeping error that they're going to after. And this is from the prosecutor who initially didn't want to do this. In fact, he had people resign because he wasn't going to do this because no one else would bring the case against Donald Trump. This is Jim Jordan talking. I mean, the DOJ didn't bring the case. The Federal District of New York didn't bring the case. The previous prosecutor in the district there in Manhattan didn't bring the case. Mr. Bragg himself didn't want to bring the case. But then what happened? You know what happened. We all do. He got pressured from those on the left. And I would say this, this one thing that has changed, the one thing that I think has changed his mind is President Trump announced he was going to run for president again. And suddenly, here they go. Now they're coming after him for some alleged bookkeeping error. You got to be kidding me. So we want to know what kind of federal involvement they may have, may have taken place here. And we want to know, did this stem from the Mueller special counsel investigation getting to this point as well? Wow. I just can't tell you how much I'm enjoying this charade. Yeah, I'm a Trump supporter. I don't know the man, never met him. I was in the same building with him. I went to a Trump rally in Bossier City, Louisiana, which is just across the river from Shreveport. Packed out crowd. No violence, no problems. It was a it was packed. And that's not a small facility. It holds about fourteen or fifteen thousand people. 
And he was so gracious and kind. Which, to be honest with you, I didn't think he would do that. I thought he would go nasty, which those are the bits that we always see from him on television. He always puts people down, we think, but he doesn't always. The media like to portray him as a 24-7 confrontational kind of guy. The one that looks at you and just when they're looking at you, you think they're about to spit on you. You know what I'm talking about. He's not that kind of person. Yes, I hate his messaging style. And in many cases, I dislike his messaging. But you know what? If you're a Christian, let's talk about it from that perspective for a second. I know a lot of Christians that just went sour on Donald Trump because he has a speckled past. He messed around. I mean, you know, he was a... He was a guy that wasn't married for a long time. He lived in New York City. He was very wealthy. My wife says he was okay, good looking. People around us do those kind of things every day. What makes him different? It's because he, as a Republican, ran for office and won, and he beat Hillary Clinton. Oh my gosh. He stopped the, whatever you want to call it, New World Order or the totalitarian, authoritarian, socialism move from the left. All of those things factored in, there's no doubt about it. He knows it better than do we. And therefore, he is playing that against the left while we're worrying about, oh my gosh, Mr. Trump, calm down a little bit. Stop with the the inflamed discussion about anybody and everybody. Don't talk about their mamas. Don't talk about their personal looks. Just be presidential. That's what I hear. I still hear it all the time. But you know what? His style resonates with more people than do and offend everybody. There are more people out there that kind of identify with Trump's talking style and what he says. Blue-collar people. People that work hard. And so, yeah, there are a lot of Christians that went sour on him. But look what happened on the other side of this. Somebody flipped the coin, and I think the coin got flipped over when whoever flipped it picked it up off the ground and gave us the side that was the wrong side. And I think tens of millions of Americans are feeling that way right now. Enough with that. Steve Baker will be here in about 20 minutes. He's going to weigh in on some of that himself. But what else is going on? Listen, folks, we got other problems. And we have a really big problem that centers around the fact that the second most powerful nation on the earth, and there are some people that say they are the most powerful nation, China, the leader of China, is today in day number two of colluding with Russian President Vladimir Putin. We've got a China problem. 
and nobody wants to talk about it, but it is time. We've got to talk about China because there's a lot going on there. Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee weighs in right after this. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle... out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Hi, can I get a... Uh... Can I get a... Okay, get in the McDonald's. Ooh, can I get a... Uh, can I get a... Yeah, can uh, I get a... Uh... 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 Go, Bubba, go! Uh... Hey, can I get a... 10-piece uh, chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh... Beat Yourself Up Hotline. Is this the Beat Yourself Up Hotline? Yes, sir. If you'd like to beat yourself up, this is the place to do it. Okay, I'd like to beat myself up now, please. Go right ahead when you're comfortable. <clears throat> I am so stupid. I can't believe how stupid I am. What an idiot. I left all my holiday shipping until the last minute again. Now it's a huge hassle. Why do I have to do this to myself every year? When, oh, when will I learn? You beat yourself up very well, sir. Thanks. But maybe you should just log on to SmartShip.com. SmartShip.com? Right. Type in your zip code, and SmartShip.com tells you the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to do your holiday shipping, even at the last minute. Wow, SmartShip.com. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I think of that? Well... Why do I have to have somebody else tell me what to do? Oh, sir... When, oh, when will I ever have an original thought? You're really good at this, sir. I've been told it's a gift. Smartship.com, the way smart shipping is done. Early this morning, I do a 6 a.m. prayer meeting Monday through Friday at my church, a 30-minute prayer meeting. It's a great way to start a day, by the way, praying, 30 minutes. You can get a lot done in the way of uh, straightening things out in your mind and your heart and understanding with just 30 minutes. I mean, that that's, that's a lot quicker than going to a doctor. Heck of a lot cheaper, too, and longer-lasting good things come out of it, just saying. So we talked about what's going on around the world. And the thing in China, it's just, it's just every day something new comes out that warns us. There are warning lights going off. you got to watch China. you got to. So yesterday, the senator was on Mornings with Maria on Fox Business. And she said the weakness demonstrated by our president has given an opening for China to fulfill its desire to dominate the world. This is the axis of evil, as I call them, 
Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea, she said. And what you have is China, and China's the leader of the pack. We know they're helping to bankroll Russia. They are buying Russian oil. They are helping to finance Iran manufacturing drones in Russia. They're encouraging North Korea to send rockets to Russia. So here you see them beginning to build out what they see as their path for total domination over us. Couple this with the fact that China's expanding their Belt and Road Initiative into the Western Hemisphere. And she wasn't through. She said, and President Biden is weak. Xi Jinping knows this, and he feels like he's got some running room right now. And Gordon Chang, who is always so good on this, he's a, uh, a local Chinese guy, which is an expert on everything to do with the Chinese government. Gordon Chang will talk about how China plans to be globally dominant by the time we get to 2050, and they feel like this is their time to really make some headway. And they see this as their open window, and it's going to be up to us to stop them. I don't usually, I don't usually bring Senator Blackburn or any of her things to the show. Why is that? You know, I interact just as most of you do, many of you, with people in politics with various roles from various places in the nation. And sometimes I just have a problem with the way some lawmakers, how they communicate. I can't think of a better way to say it. It's just something just doesn't feel right. It's kind of like you look at them, you watch them, they open their mouth, and whatever they say, you just kind of go, you know, I don't know about that. Most of the time, that's the way I felt about Marsha Blackburn. Please, Please, don't pick up the phone and call her office and tell her that this podcaster down in Louisiana is denigrating her. I'm not in any way. I'm just saying I don't get warm and fuzzy. It's almost like when she's talking, it's not so much about the message that she's bringing. She wants it to sound more important, maybe more, uh, give it more strength by her saying things. I don't know that. I'm just saying it's a sense that I get. Now, why did I even bring that up? Well, that's because we just talked about Senator Blackburn. Now, let's flip back to Donald Trump for a second, not about this impending indictment, but about one other thing that the former president is seeing going on in the nation by President Biden, that Donald Trump has an issue with. And I know you'll not be surprised when he talks about something that's negative about Joe Biden. Joe Biden recently announced that he will require every state, county, city, and town to submit so-called equity plans to impose the left's Marxist housing agenda on your communities. This is not what we need. The Biden power grab will put radical and racist left-wing bureaucrats in charge of micromanaging the housing where you live. And nobody can be happy about that. I talked about it during my last campaign, and people understood it very well. 
They will use the power of the federal government to abolish zoning for single-family homes, destroy your property values by building giant multifamily apartment complexes in the suburbs, and even next to your house, and force your community to pay for low-income housing developments right next door. The woke left is waging full-scale war on the suburbs, and their Marxist crusade is coming for your neighborhood, your tax dollars, your public safety, and your home. When I get back into the Oval Office, one of my first acts will be to repeal Joe Biden's radical left attack on the suburban lifestyle, just as I blew up Barack Obama's leftist housing monstrosity just a few years ago when I blew it up. The Biden war on the suburbs will be over, and it'll never happen again. That whole mess will never, ever happen again. We pray for our country. Thank you. Now, why would I bring that particular soundbite from the former president? Why would I bring that to the show today at this particular point? Here's what I want you to understand. In the middle of all of the things that are going on and the things that are not going on, we don't even talk about in any great length the flood of illegals that have come into our country every day at the southern border. And by the way, they're ramping up exponentially coming from the northern border. We don't even talk about that. What's at the center of everything? It's Donald Trump. The orange man, the evil guy. And as long as the left can keep Trump up there and continually paint through their media sycophants, paint the picture that Trump will destroy our democracy. How many times have you heard them say that? Let me just say this. What they are doing in total, almost without exception, the left, every piece of legislation Every law that they refuse to enforce is, in each of them, a direct assault on democracy. And by the way, the United States government was never established to be a democracy. Do you know what a pure democracy is? That means every issue that comes up in the nation, every one of them, there is no Congress. There's no representative body. Every person, every voter, has to vote on every issue. That's a direct response from the people on every issue. So the people are democratically determining everything in the government. That would never work. We would spend every day or every other day voting on everything. And so our forefathers came up with the representative republic that we are. All that being said, they are doing everything they can to keep us from looking at, thinking about, and talking about any of the issues that are happening in this administration. I'm serious. It's all a diversion. The biggest and the most horrible thing that's happening in this nation every day is happening at the southern border. What are those? It's not one. It's not two. It's not three. It's not four. It's not five. It's dozens of horrible things are happening as members of the Biden administration are not only allowing those things to happen, they are working diligently to increase the numbers of people that are coming in. I'm talking about drug traffickers. 
I'm talking about people that are stealing kids from Central American families, taking them, promising these parents that they're going to get their kids to the United States, get them established with good people here, and then they can bring their parents up. They're doing all of this, not to mention the flood of enough fentanyl coming in through Mexico, much of it. But now we're told much of the drugs that are coming in from the southern border aren't coming from places like China. Mexico is manufacturing those things. 300 deaths of Americans every day from drugs that come across our southern border. Alejandro Mayorkas, Secretary of Homeland Security, not only is he allowing all this to happen, he's got his finger on the pulse of it, and he's manipulating processes in the law in the United States of America to help it happen and even ramp up. Those kind of things, we're not talking about those things today, are we? What are we talking about? We're talking about Donald Trump. They love the fact that Trump's back out there now. And just because he's back out there, they're going to talk about him, but at the same time, they've got to keep his attention diverted. They've got to keep the attention of his supporters diverted. They've got to always perpetuate this question mark over his head. Is he really a good leader? Is he really honest? We've got to not let that perspective stay out there. We've got to bring him down a notch. We've got to find a way to get him down on our level so we can get into the scrum, you know, fight that way, rather than allowing him to stand up and talk about substantive issues. You just heard him talk about the Biden plan to totally destroy the suburbs, and that is part of their agenda. They want everybody to be in one central area around big cities, but no longer these suburbs out there where people find they can go live a life where they can do good on their own, they can achieve things on their own, and big government has no control over it. I ain't joking, folks. I'm telling you that's the truth. We're going to take our final break of this hour in just a minute. I'm telling you what, instead of taking a break, there's something kind of humor. We haven't been very humorous this morning. Jimmy Fallon, you know, he's a he's a comedian, and he is working now. I guess he's a contributor at Fox News. I don't know. But yesterday on the big show, he weighed in, and he basically roasted one of my favorite all-time press spokespeople in a presidential uh, administration, Jen Psaki, circle back Psaki. She's now at MSNBC, and she did a great show yesterday. Falia and others on the big, the big show, they roasted her. Welcome back. Former White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki debuting her new show on MSNBC, wasting no time blasting Republicans. Watch this. For Republicans, wokeness is public enemy number one. By the sound of it, there is simply no greater threat to American liberty. Whether or not they actually believe it, they clearly think it's a winning message ahead of 2024. And it makes you think, 
Are they onto something? Should I be freaking out about how right-wing Republicans are co-opting woke and wokeism? My gut here is no. The Republican crusade against wokeness may not be as potent of a campaign issue as they may hope. You can let your woke flag fly. Fox Across America host Jimmy Fela joins us now. Jimmy. You can let your woke flag there fly. There it is. Right there. She put it out for everyone. Well, first of all, congratulations to her for getting Luke Skywalker to lend her his Jedi costume <laughs> for episode one of the show. I mean, that's a big step when you get the Star Wars, you know, vote out of the gate. That was an aggressive move. I applaud it. So while she is in touch with the sentiments of America with the fashion. Yeah. Uh, her saying wokeness isn't an issue across the aisle demonstrates just how out of touch this administration it happens is. to be. Exactly. And it takes you look no further than Florida. When Ron DeSantis passed the Parental Rights and Education Act, he got the overwhelming support of parents on both sides of the aisle because a lot of the things we group under the umbrella of woke, it's kind of has become a catch-all on the right, but it essentially means two things to us. One is incentivized grievance. We need right. to find injustice anywhere in the world, even if we're finding it in the way of arson, meaning we're lighting fires that don't need to be burnt. The other is indoctrinating kids into an ideology that nobody asked for. So she's wrong when she says that, but I'm not surprised she says that because MSNBC what has become group therapy for some really well-dressed people. Is this an example of them or her actually getting really nervous about how well the woke thing is playing and it trying is, to sort of pre-bunk that in a way? It's got a lot of traction, and that's what I think it was. Because two, two of the jobs over there, okay, is one to tell the audience everything's going to be fine. That's a lot of what MSNBC is. Like Biden's fine, the border's fine, the economy's fine, as the banks are the collapsing. Banks are like, yeah, no, no, it's great. Don't worry about it. It's all going to be fine. Uh, yes, the other is they're trying to discredit these lines of attack that directly impact this administration because they've become the mascot for wokeness. Mm -hmm. All right, I want to get to this one. Favorite story that I can't wait to tell my kids. <laughs> a new study, and this is a really scientific study, shows dad jokes might help kids develop into healthy adults, teaching them to deal with embarrassment and overcome awkwardness. Now, Jimmy, I know you don't know anything about embarrassment <laughs> and awkwardness, but you might be able to speak to the value of the dad joke. Well, here's the thing. This was clearly written by a guy with bad material. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, but you don't understand. There's a higher meaning to this. He's tired of bombing in the minivan, but he wants to make it seem like he's not the problem. It's the old blame the audience. Uh, there is a value in dad jokes and any jokes for the sake of we need to recognize escapism. What humor is there to do is take the power away from life's adversities for a few moments at a time. That's why I'm such an uh, ardent, you know, supporter of defunding the joke police. Mm. Okay, the guy on stage is trying to take the power away from that expensive mortgage payment or that climbing interest rate. The guy who's getting to the comedy club just to ruin that guy's life, right. who's the villain here? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it's teaching resiliency great. a little bit with some yeah. of the kids. It's right? a comedy is a buffet. Okay, you see something you like, you throw it on the tray. If you don't like it you don't argue with the chef everybody gets their own tray you just keep on walking you so I'm, I'm with dad joke but i do think he needs to improve that i just think there's a little competition between brian and neil cavuto whose dad jokes are, are better oh or worse oh. i, don't I, know. I oh yield in that contest immediately he is the master. i'm the padawan learner hey right at least okay. you can do your material in front of kids so i yeah. bow i yeah. bow you mentioned buffets mm. let's talk about this one the golden yep. arches are feeling the pain of inflation a new study showing that the average price for a big mac in in the U.S. is now estimated at $5.15. That's up 22% since before the start of the pandemic. You know what's wild? Mm -hmm. In Switzerland, it's 7 
75. For a Big Mac? Is that Mac? true? Yes. Is that true? Yes. It's, so it's actually good in the U.S. Well, do you know in it's France wild. it's not a Big Mac. It's a Royale, Royale. with cheese. Oh. Just giving you my Pulp Fiction. Like That's the only, I couldn't hang with your depth of knowledge, so I had to take it to my area. Well, it's Pulp Fiction. Um, listen, of all the issues we talk about, this is the kind of issue that really could impact a re-election campaign. Because McDonald's is universal. We're all yep. eating McDonald's. We may not be leaning in and saying so, but some of us on this set have been told to stop eating McDonald's by the wardrobe department. I'm not going to name names. It rhymes with Bimmy Kayla, uh, and he's always happy to be here. But this is an advantage, I think, even with guys like Trump who loves McDonald's. Yeah. Make McDonald's great again, I think pops in a lot of suburb suburban votes. Well, I you buy the meal or you throw in a soda and french fries, and all of a sudden the cost of your fast food is not what the cost of fast food is yes, supposed thank to be. Thank you. One more thing. Okay. This one just in. The... Um, uh, the French government, they were actually um, facing a no-confidence vote mm -hmm. over pension age. Mm -hmm. Your thought? Well, i got to be honest with you. The way Macron went about doing it clearly didn't sit well with the populace. But we're kidding ourselves if we don't take a proactive measure now, one way or the other, in tackling this problem head on. It is a wild liability. It has been looted by politicians for the, over the course of decades now. So anybody who wants to get out there as this pillar of virtue and be like, hands off Social Security, usually nine times out of ten they have crumbs on their shirt from dabbling in that cookie jar. Yeah. So I don't know to the specificity of what just happened in France, but I do know we as a country could take a lesson in at least doing something to address a problem that's only going to get worse. Jackie, I'll tell you, the French government has narrowly survived that no-confidence vote. It looks like they were about nine votes short of that no-confidence. Because mm. you know what? A couple guys were out eating a Royale with cheese. <laughs> freedom exactly fries. There it is. Freedom <laughs> fries as well. Uh, thanks for dropping by. I miss you already. Good to Jimmy, see you. You, you know what? Sometimes it's, it's good to laugh. We talk about all this stuff, and it's real, real heavy. And on that note, I, I just know what I'm about to tell you is true. Steve Baker was unable to listen to that last segment where all the jokes and Jimmy Fallon and the other, other people on the big show. But I think it's good to be humorous every once in a while. Steve Baker joins us now. I think I looked in my crystal ball. You're actually speaking to us from North Carolina today. Am I right? I am. Good morning, Dan. Well, Steve, somebody dropped a bomb on Washington, D.C., and it spread all around the world. <laughs> we talk, You and I talked early this morning in full disclosure, and we talked about the topics for today that needed to be discussed. And I just tried to lighten the show up a little bit because, you know what? I get, I get sometimes you just feel dirty all over when you spend... Yeah two hours a day or you do your investigative stuff and you're sitting in a courtroom day after day and hearing all kinds of evil being spewed from the mouths of people that are supposed to be bastions of integrity and honesty and members of the court that are going to protect us. And all of that is nothing but BS. It gets old after a while. You know, we talked about this last week. We talked about how it seems like every time you and I get on the phone, all we have to convey are those messages of gloom and doom and the apocalypse, <laughs> you know, or the, the zombie apocalypse <laughs> that's coming, yeah. whatever the case may be. And and I, I I will I will open on a let's let's call it dark humor note, okay? So we'll we'll at least progress <laughs> a little bit out of uh, 
out of the gloom and the doom. I have spent the last several days doing an experiment that I have never done before. And obviously it's been out there for a while now, but I have actually been experimenting with communicating with uh, one of these AI programs. Your, your listeners may have heard of this uh, chat GPT. And uh, I took on the experiment specifically because I wanted to see what artificial intelligence was thinking about some of the projects that I've been working on. Some of the, you know, the investigations I've been doing both um, overtly and covertly, some things that I've not revealed yet. I just wanted to get its impression of what I've been working on and jumping, jumping to the, the, the chase here. I didn't really know how to use it. I didn't know how to establish a dialogue. I was mistakenly using it more as almost a, you know, a, a kind of an advanced Google search. And so some of my followers, readers uh, throughout the internet at the various uh, locations where you can find my stuff. And when I reported on this the first time, some guys that are more in tune with this thing, uh, more experienced, uh, some actual experts in the field, uh, got on me and said, "Hey, you're you're just doing it all wrong." So they gave me some advice on how to how to go after this AI thing, and and literally, the fact that I can challenge the responses that I get from this artificial intelligence. So I started doing that because what I learned, Dan, is that it was first of all there were a lot of the responses that I received were just dead wrong. They were factually errant, and and they shouldn't have been because ostensibly this AI computer program should be able to go out and crawl out all over the interwebs everywhere and put the facts together and find that which is more accurate than, than that which might be less accurate in terms of just raw data. And it was often wrong. And so when I went back and started challenging the artificial intelligence, I learned that it would admit that it, it's like it would apologize to me. So oh, I'm sorry, you're right. Now that I look a little bit further, I see what you're talking about. And, it, and suddenly it starts developing more of a conversation with me. Um, and then I pushed it a little bit further and I started to try and see if it would, even though it would admit that it was wrong and it would apologize to me, the one thing I could not get it to confess to is that it was pre-programmed with a particularly, uh, let's just say a political bias because ultimately almost all of its mistakes were mistakes because of where it was obviously drawing its information, what side of the political aisle or what side of the media, uh, right wing, left wing, however you want to define it. So the more I pushed it uh, to confess to me that it was a, that it had pre-programming, although it never would, it finally it finally told me that, well, you know, you know, I'm still kind of new at this. And, and as a result of that, I am having to rely upon what uh, my, you know, my builders, my programmers uh, have led me to in terms of my sources. So obviously uh, I, I at least got it to admit to something like that. So I, I say all of that to say this. So I've had about a three, I've been, I've been, <laughs> I've been for three or four days now, communicating with a machine, uh, artificial intelligence. And so last night I decided to close out my three days worth of communications with this machine. And I asked it to write some poems for me in the style of some of the masters and some of the greats. And I'm not going to read them all to you, but I'm going to read you one. I asked it to write me a poem in the style of E.E. E. Cummings that reflects how the department of justice 
is handling the defendants in the January 6th, uh, 2021, you know, riots at the Capitol. Do I need to put, before you start, do I need to put on, what kind of music do I need to put on behind you (laughs) reading the GPT chat, whatever form? (laughs) Oh man, I I hadn't thought of that. Uh, Maybe, uh, uh, that's great. Um, We'll do it next Mars time. The br- the, uh, Mars, the bringer of war by Franz Holt. How about that? <laughs> we'll, next time, give me a little lead up, and I'll have some music okay, behind we'll the, the, the machine's poem. Go ahead. All right, so here it is. In the style of E.E. E. Cummings, with no punctuation marks and no capitalization, of course. Here we go. Oh, Justice B, your sword unsheathed to mete out truth and prosecute the deceived. The Capitol stormed by an angry horde to disrupt, destroy, and break the lawful accord. But the DOJ, firm in its solemn role, investigates, indicts, and upholds the rule of the whole. So let us trust in the blindfolded maid to balance the scales and ensue justice is conveyed. And here's the the frightening part about that, Dan. It took less than two seconds for this machine, artificial intelligence to write that poem. Less than two seconds. It was complete. Wow. Just popped up in front of me that fast. And that was, you know, that, that stunned me. The second thing that stunned me was E.E. E. Cummings was one of my favorites as I was growing up, uh, particularly in, you know, in, in the literature and, uh, as I studied that. I was pretty good at it in school. And, and so not only was the form accurate, not only was the, um, the quality of the verse is just amazing, but after I mentioned to you, first of all, that... I had a inherent kind of uh, feeling or perception that there was a programming, a pre-programming in this machine learning towards a bias, a particular bias. And if we go back to that first verse and listen to how it closed it out, it said, Oh, justice be your sword unsheathed to meet out truth and prosecute the deceived. Well, did you catch that? Yes, I did. did the first time, the first time you read it, I caught that, and I thought it was kind of curious. It tells me two things. First of all, the machine that created that is a Democrat, mm-hmm. uh, maybe somewhere left of a Democrat, and secondly, it's female. <laughs> you think so? Well, maybe it's. Maybe it's trans. Maybe it's a transgender. Oh no, 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 no. AI. It, it, it's definitely female. It's 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 because of this. Those two things. I that last sentence of that first part of the poem showed me that it was a Democrat because Democrats they demand they have the sole power to prosecute whoever that they think right. is wrong. And secondly, you said before you read the poem that the machine apologized and said it was wrong. So it couldn't be female. <laughs> There's no living, breathing female on earth that is ever wrong. 
<laughs> and I'll get some hate mail over the, saying that, yeah, but I'm just I, trying I, to be I, factual. I'm, I'm pleading the fifth on that one, Dan. <laughs> what this thing does is, is I've heard a lot about this artificial intelligence and chat GPT. I haven't checked it out yet, but people I know that have are just blown away by the fact that there is a computer out there that could communicate and make, I don't want to say intelligence responses, but they're getting from programming in a matter of just seconds information they've been programmed with and that that could happen. Think about putting that kind of operation in play in numerous parts of our lives And if they did, whoever they is, if they did, there would be millions of us that would never know for communicating with a human or with a computer. That's spooky. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's amazing when you think that, as I said, I I I put in the parameters of this request for this poem, and I all I said was in the style of E. E. Cummings, I want you to write me a poem. Um, that reflects on the Department of Justice handling of the defendants in the January 6th riots. And then I hit enter, and it took less than two seconds for it to perfectly convey and write an E.E. Cummings-style poem about that, with the with uh, the additional bias included, obviously. Sure. And And... And the amazing part is, is that I'm using the low level version, not the paid version, which is, uh, I forget how many more times advanced than this version. I haven't decided to pay for it yet. Um, but the, uh, just using the free version, it was, it's, it's kind of mind boggling to think that, that it can do these things. But when you extrapolate that, what it did for me in two seconds, how how much of our society is going to be affected and how many of our jobs are going to be replaced by this. Why would anybody hire, let's just go to, I mean, a a, a book editor, I mean, a a publisher. Why, why hire an editor when you can have an AI do that in two seconds? It wrote this, not edited it, wrote it and did so perfectly. And you can imagine just just feeding it a transcript from a writer. And then you have to ask, did the writer even write it? Did the writer have an AI program write it for them? Yeah. How many news departments, how many newsrooms are going to be smaller in the next 10 years because they can just enter in the parameters like I did and say, I need a story on the Trump prosecution from, uh, you know, Alvin uh, Bragg in, uh, you know, the... uh, uh, attorney general or rather the district attorney in New York. And I need a story on an update on that. And we're, let's say we give it a little more specificity. I need to know where the grand jury is on this right now. And, uh, can you pop that out for me? And then three seconds later or less, you have your story and, uh, and then you, you go to print with it. I'll tell you this, the thought of that even happening, it's mind boggling for me because they could, have a machine that replaces you, that replaces me in communication, but it would always be slanted to someone that program, wrote the program, slanted to whatever they want that machine to say. Hey, listen, 
speaking of, we're going to take a break right now. On the other side of this break, I want to get your two cents on Alvin Bragg and what's pending. And also, your two cents on the Donald Trump side of that. Because as we know, he is a master communicator and you can book He's got something in mind. Be thinking about that while we take this break. All right. Steve Baker is with us today. He will be back as always with his wisdom for us in two minutes. Don't go anywhere. He'll be Your back. daily dose of the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. I'm Chad Hall, and I'm here with the first ever Silverado ZR2. This is probably the first time you've seen this truck, but I've been racing a prototype version for over a year. We just inspired this pre-production truck you see behind me. Let's go see what it'll do. Copy. It's got phenomenal power, acceleration, good ground clearance, skid protection, and you've got the Multimatic PSSV shocks, so it's just going to be that much more of a fun truck. Copy. It's an amazing truck. You're going to want to get your hands on one. People think unusual circumstances means complicated taxes. But for a TurboTax Live expert like me, it just makes things interesting. So, give us everything you've got. What if I'm a professional gamer with a ton of expenses? If they help drive views, let's talk deductions. What if I'm in a state with no income tax, but my survival videos are viewed in 38 countries? I can help. And if this is a business dinner, save those jerky receipts. An interesting life can mean an even greater refund. You do your thing. We've got your taxes. Intuit TurboTax Live. While some compromise to be nice, others aggressively hold to the truth. Guess which one we are. TNN, the Truth News Network. So in this conversation today about who's nice and who's telling the truth, I don't know. We've got Steve Baker on. I'm honest. He's honest. So which one of us is telling the truth today, Mr. Baker? Well, I will tell you that in in my effort to always tell the truth, and, and look, we all fail because sometimes we don't know what the truth is. So we tell what we think is the truth, and it may not be, but at least we should make the effort. And that is, how, did, how does, um, uh, how does it, what, what, I'm even blanking right now on uh, my, my favorite guy, you know, our favorite Canadian of the last few years. Um, Justin Trudeau. From, no. <laughs> <laughs> That that would be the wrong that would be the wrong professor. <laughs> he sure. he wouldn't be your favorite, I'm sure. No, 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 no. Jordan Peterson. So so Jordan Peterson, you know, one of his rules of life is always tell the truth, or something. I forget what the tagline is, or at least try. You know, because that's that's the point is at least try. And when we're talking about political figures and we're talking about political events, particularly at the magnitude of what's happening right now in, in New York with this, this uh, crazy district attorney, Dan, if you start from the premise or you start from your own 
predisposition or presupposition in your own political bias that either one of them, either side or any player in this is telling the truth. You're crazy because we don't know. We never know. We have, we have no way of knowing. Uh, all, all we can do is, you know, wait for the smoke to clear and, uh, Wait, wait for the, you know, the ashes, <laughs> if, if the building is burning down to, to, for, to settle and then sift through those ashes and determine what was truth or not. It, it is in, in the heat of this kind of battle. Um, I don't know what the truth is. I know what I think it is, especially when you understand the backgrounds of the players. And, and, and where do you want to start with that? I mean, because I know you and I know, and I I only heard the half hour leading up to me being on your show today. So I don't know what you did the first, uh, in the entirety of the first hour, what you've covered, but I know that your listeners are probably better informed than most radio listeners out there across America, as far as these players, especially, uh, when we're talking about, um, uh, just attorney Bragg, we know that he's a bought commodity um, by Soros and we know that he is controlled by him. We know that he received something in the area of a million dollars in his, in his at least that we know of in his campaign uh, war chest in order to get to the position that he's in. Two million, two million, two million, two million. Yeah. And so, and so as a result of that, we know who is pulling his strings and we know what he has to do. And there, there's, with that background, we, we can look at his truth or what comes out of his mouth and just assume from the knowledge that he's a controlled entity of where his process is coming from. And it's very clear. I mean, as, as has been argued by many in, in anybody who's been listening to the quote unquote legal experts throughout this uh, development here, is that first of all, there's a problem with statute of limitations for him to bring that up. There's a problem with escalating the charge from a misdemeanor to a felony in order to get around the statute of limitations. And then there's the larger problem of a district attorney who has a real, real problem with crime in his city and he is trying to level or trying to elevate a misdemeanor charge, that, which basically has been settled for how many years now? Uh, this is since uh, 2018. Yeah, that this has been settled. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's he's taking an event from five years ago, escalating it for purely political reasons, when he's got more than enough problems to deal with in his own backyard, and yet he's dealing with this problem of a from a citizen of Florida, a resident of Florida, legally a resident of Florida, despite um, uh, Trump's history in New York. So there's, there's so many problems with this and so many obvious uh, uh, political underpinnings to why this is being done that the right questions are now being asked, which are, and I think I, I, think I actually heard you mention this in, in the half hour leading up to my, to my joining you, is that uh, the right questions are being asked now what kind of connections does he have now with the actual Department of Justice in D.C.? Is there a line of communication open between them that is causing this to happen now, suddenly, you know, out of the blue? And I think that's the perfect question because I believe 
And I am more crystallized in this even since we last spoke, because as you know, I've been in DC since we last spoke, that the Department of Justice in this country is in fact the beating heart. It is the core of the Death Star that we're up against right now. Saying because, that, go ahead. What's that? Yeah, uh, ahead. yeah. I'll finish that out. Okay. Because the Department of Justice, the problems in this country right now are either directly originating from the DOJ or it is the DOJ who is providing cover for those agencies and those usurpers of rights and those violators of the Constitution that we are doing battle with now. Years ago, I made a determination that everything that comes out of Washington, D.C., everything has a political slant. And the only way to know if it's righteous, and when I say righteous, truthful, honest, the only way to know what you're hearing and what you're reading is honest is you got to know who's saying it. And so you go back and start there, who's saying it. And everyone in D.C. has a bias. You don't go to Washington. You don't especially go to live and work there unless you have a political bias and that you are pretty comfortable that you can take that up there and turn it into something that's good for you. Now, don't get me wrong. I know there are some diehard red, white, and blue people up there that are doing everything for the right reasons. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is most Americans don't know what the law says. Most Americans don't know what the Constitution is, let alone what it says. So what do they do? They and what they do are the fuel that makes Washington, D.C. go. If they, whoever they happens to be of the moment, if they can get Americans to believe what they tell them, they win the political war every time. Mm -hmm. And because life is so convoluted for all of us, there are so many moving parts in our lives, we don't have the time and very few of us have the desire to do the digging to find out if what we are being told is the truth, absolute, honest truth, or not. And they feed off of that. That is the energy that is running, especially the U.S. Capitol, and as you said, the Department of Justice. When you when you see these committee hearings in which FBI Director Christopher Wray, he's confronted and he throws up this wall of ultimate pontification authority. He throws it up. You can see it in his eyes every time. And you know before a question is asked by the people that he supposedly works for, members of the United States Congress, you almost know how he's going to respond before he answers any question. He always throws that up there. And it's basically, I don't have to answer your questions because I'm the FBI director. We do investigations and we can't tell you anything about them, anything about them until we get to the end 
if we even tell you then. That is what we have been told by people like Jordan Peterson for decades would be the death knell of the United States of America was if that part of our government gets turned upside down. And I think we're really close to being in that particular place. I think, as an example, and you and I haven't even had any part of this conversation, the Attorney General is an empty suit. Merrick Garland has no substance. On the other hand, Christopher Wray, the FBI director, does. Merrick Garland, he obviously goes with the flow. Christopher Ray is in the flow, entrenched in it already. Garland's a newcomer. I mean, he just walked across the street. He was a judge. And at the level of judging that he served at, he wasn't in the fray, the day-to-day fray. He was... Oh, he's, a, he's, a, he's an order taker. Absolutely. He is yeah. not a guy that is a great uh, contributor to the issues of the day. And therefore, he just he does what he's told, and sometimes he tries to get out of his of his lane, and he screws up like he did when he wrote that letter to all those members of uh, the FBI offices around the nation to go after those evil parents that are tearing up those school board meetings. And you some, know, go ahead. You know, that's not the only le- that's not the only letter he wrote, and this is this has been a very very difficult. Um, uh, process for me, but for a year and a half now, I have been aware of a letter that he sent out to all the U.S. attorneys nationwide. And I have a source inside DOJ. We may have talked about this before that I made a trip out west last year sometime. Yes, we did. To try and acquire, to try and put my hands on this letter. And uh, I can only imagine that it has been purged. We've not been able to find it through a, uh, well, we've not been able to get a release through a FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act request yet on the emails that were sent out at this timeline. But I've had the letter read to me. And this particular letter actually states that he was ordering his U.S. attorneys to pursue January 6th defendants with all the zeal and the gusto that they can. And the, the, the punchline is regardless of what you think about the legality or the morality of those arrests. What, what that does, Steve, that confirms that there is an undergirding, Maybe it happens in the deep bowels underneath the Potomac. I, I don't know. But there is an undergirding that is feeding all of this stuff that is anti-citizen and pro-big government. And it may be that stinking computer that you're interfacing with. There is some entity and I think it's just a bunch of people. I think some of it, and I, I I can't remember if we had this part of this conversation early this morning when we spoke. But George Soros, when he's in the United States, he has a gorgeous 
complex out in the Hamptons, way out on Long Island. And I honestly, yeah, you can only imagine. I, uh, I have never seen it. I've been in the vicinity of it, but I've never seen it. But I can imagine with all we know about George Soros, uh, and we don't know everything about him. People need to understand when you see somebody like him, who's very quiet and working behind the scenes, you can always bet what's going on is far greater than what we see and know. But I can see how he purposely, and I've tried to puzzle through this for a couple of years now, knowing what he's been doing, attacking the rule of law in the United States, while at the same time trying to manipulate the structure and destroy the structure of free and fair elections in the United States, I can see him with all this is going on and Trump coming out last week and saying, I'm going to be indicted on Tuesday. I'm going to be arrested on Tuesday. I think that may have been a signal and a warning light went off out in Long Island. And when that warning light went off, there was a phone call that was made to Alvin Bragg and it was probably made by George Soros himself. And Alvin Bragg probably made a trip out to the Hamptons and he got his, oh, I don't, I don't want to say anything ugly, but he got his ears pinned back by his boss, his handler. And what Soros, I would think based upon what's being aired right now today, I would think that George Soros told Bragg, you pooped and you stepped in it, something to that effect. Because Alvin Bragg started bragging, uh, that's an oxymoron there, but started bragging about the fact he was fixing to bring Donald Trump to justice and yada, yada, all that kind of stuff, and let it get out on the news. And, of course, Bragg, he's trying to write the ticket to become an attorney general in some future administration and he's well, using sure. he's using Manhattan as his you know platform to do it. But there and, and the reason I bring this little process up is much of what we see in here and you have been immersed in it in Washington DC. It's filthy. It gets all over you. You know it's there. You know it undergirds yeah. everything that goes on, but yet we can't put our fingers on it and find out everything about it yet. And I, I got to be honest with you, Steve, I don't even know if I really want to know. You know, what we do, what you and I do is to find those things out. But, you know, if I, if I opened a letter today and I could read exactly what's going on, I might be a little bit uh, concerned because I think it's much bigger than we think it might be. Yeah, it might be, and and it it has such a convoluted, and and it, it has an origin, Dan, in really. And again, I'm trying to I'm trying to watch my language here too as well. Uh, it, it reminds me one time uh, an episode of the um, of the Three Stooges, and uh, it was Curly. He was uh, he was called to the witness stand in a courtroom tr- in a trial. And the bailiff comes up and has him, you know, places left hand on the Bible, raises right hand. And the bailiff says, do you swear? And then Curly immediately interrupts him and says, no, but I know all the whites. 
and and I'm trying to not swear right now, <laughs> but the point being is is that this genesis of all this comes from a lot of bad behavior by all of the the players in this. I mean, you go you go back to the beginning and the source of this. Obviously, we have potential. It's alleged. It's not confirmed. It's denied by President Trump. Bad behavior with women outside of wedlock at the time. And then you have his uh, attorney at the time, what was his name Michael Cohen, is that right? Yeah. Who, you know, while he was under investigation, it came out, uh, I think he was under investigation for tax evasion at the time, and it came out that he helped uh, to orchestrate the silencing of a couple of women, uh, one of them being um, uh, Stormy Daniels. I don't remember the name of the other one, but the uh, obviously that piqued my interest because my daughter's name is Stormy. So you know, I see that in the news and, and then she was, and ironically she was living in DC at the time in her job. And so she had to come under the stress of now her name was a punchline on everybody's lips uh, uh, in the news. So she basically started going by because her Stormy storm is her middle name. So she started going by her first name at the time, which is Alexandra. Uh, she's back to Stormy now that this is all settled down. And then and then as this thing progressed, we had a situation where uh, where Michael Cohen, being his attorney, was so close to Trump at the time that he was actually had was on you know on record as having said that he would take a bullet for his boss, you know, his boss being the president. And then after Cohen ultimately did take the bullet and pleaded guilty in connection with those payments. Uh, to those women, are, uh, Stormy and, as I said, I don't remember the other uh, woman's name, um, then Trump set up Cohen as not only the fall guy, but, but then branded him as a liar. So the guy took a bullet, and then Trump branded him as a liar. And so now they're at odds with one another. And now enter Steve Bannon and enter Rudy Giuliani and enter all of the other things, or Russia Gate and and uh, the 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 Steele dossier, and you bring all of this and you pile it on, and and so you have bad behavior that led to this. Then you have accusations of behavior that we now know never happened. And fast forward five years, and they're digging back deep into that trough to pull this up to try and essentially, let's be honest, whether you like Trump or not, regardless of what your position is on Trump, whether you're a full-fledged Trump-only supporter, whether you're, hey, I'll take the guy if we can get him. He's better than, you know, Brandon. I'll take him. Uh, whether you're a DeSantis guy or whoever you are, whatever, where, wherever you fall on, on, on the Trump spectrum, the bottom line is, is that he is, in fact, being, once again, targeted for purely political reasons to interfere with his next attempt at winning an election and winning the seat of president of the United States. That's all this is. It's just a political hit job. And again, <laughs> regardless, regardless of the behavior that led to this. Yeah. It, I mean, let's be honest. He may have done these things and set himself up for it. He may not have, he says he didn't. Nevertheless, he had an attorney who paid for it. So <laughs> the point being is regardless of how we got there, it is a political job and that's all this is here's here's i am interested i am interested to see where he's going to go with this because you know because he is from new jersey 
uh, New York, and because he is <laughs> as a as a primary um, his primary mo is as a bull in the china shop, and where this is going for nothing other than pure entertainment purposes as a political junkie that I am. I can't wait to see what happens tomorrow or next week with regards to this. Guess what? While we're talking, he launched a volley, another volley, just moments ago. And Uh he, uh, one of his favorite sources to put his stuff out isn't even in the U.S. It's the Daily Mail. Yeah. And I get all their stuff. (laughs) Listen to what he just, he just launched another volley. This is a quote. Trump launches an attack on Starmy Horseface Daniel's extortion <laughs> plot. <laughs> that that is vintage Donald Trump. And let, and this whole oh thing, this God. this sinister picture that I painted about the undergirding of all of the evil in DC. Here's what I really think happened. I think he very early in his life, in his professional life, he found out it was there. And he saw the draw from it, and he actually went up and looked from the edge down, and he just made a determination, I'm not going to be a part of that. And they have spent every breathing minute since to destroy him because he won't join them. And I think what that headline I just read to you, I think this is an example of him making fun of the fact <laughs> that they can't get him. <laughs> well, and you know, and well, and this will of course be the sideline aftermath is that uh, the press is going to jump all over him for calling a woman uh, saying that she's horse faced. But in the process of that, they'll forget that Biden called a woman a lying dog faced pony soldier, whatever the, that means. That, I, yeah. I've never looked up what the actual source and meaning of that is. But they'll forget that as they they accuse him of uh, being you know misogynist and calling her horse faced <laughs> woman. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm like you. I'm, you know, we got to go, but I, I'm like you. I just can't wait to see what's about to happen. And I refuse to let fear of the unknown make me afraid. Um, I get, I, I got to be honest with you. I love a horse race. I love to see people getting in the same lane and going down the same path and seeing which one can get to the end of it first and bring substance with it. That's the thing that I believe the American blue-collar people really still love about Donald Trump. He relates because he talks about the things that are important to them, and he doesn't put a political spin on it. He goes right for the juggler every time. And a guy that goes to the, cor- a guy that goes to the corner bar and drinks a beer and talks to his buddies two or three afternoons after work every every week, mm-hmm. they can relate to that. Well, I'll tell you what, unlike we usually do, I'll leave this on a, another semi-upbeat uh, uh, note, and I'll say this, but <laughs> okay. it's on topic, Dan, okay. and that is that Alvin Bragg, for purely woke purposes and for the purposes of rewriting history and also for him being politically correct. He needs to change his name. As you know, here in North Carolina, you may have heard in the last three days, 
The signs have been being pulled down at Fort Bragg, maybe one of the most famous military bases, well-known military bases in the world. Certainly the heartbeat of United States Special Forces operations has been for decades. Fort Bragg, of course, has been guilted into a name change. It's now going to be Fort Liberty because it was named after uh, Braxton Bragg, who was a general in the Confederate Army. Well, obviously, we can't have that. We can't have streets. We can't have signs. We can't have military bases. We can't have ships or whatever named after anybody associated with the, 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 the southern uh, states uh, pre-Civil uh, War. So because of Braxton Bragg and his history as a general in the Confederate Army, uh Fort Bragg is now going to become Fort Liberty. And now Alvin Bragg needs to step up to the plate and he needs to officially announce a name change in order for him to have and be in good standing with the uh, the good liberals that elected him in the state of New York, the city of New York. Well, that, there you go. That won't, that, the that's not going to happen, Steve, because he is, he is woke and you're not. Mm. So he gets to do and say anything. He can just keep trucking right down the way he's going, and he'll be fine. Steve, you are a treasure. We love having you every Tuesday. And keep us posted on what's going on. We're going to watch this thing closely. And I do believe, I don't think he'll ultimately be indicted, but I believe today or tomorrow there's going to be some really big news that comes out related to Donald Trump, of all people. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk soon. Thank you. You got it, Dan. Take care. Bye-bye. Steve Baker, what a guy. He brings so much content and context to much of the things that we, uh, we think are going on, but we just really don't understand why. He's with us every Tuesday. You need to be with us every Tuesday, too. Oh, and every day in between. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity. Our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes for insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands, ever. Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity for the man who's in the process.
new home ownership can be a real eye-opener. But it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101. Only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. Just miss top forty music. I mean, that was that was the Shylights. Have you seen her? Um, I played that back. I mean, many, many, many moons ago in my radio career. I don't know how many times I've I've, I've played it, but it, it was just one of those good songs that gets in your spirit that you can sing along with. Have you seen her? Well, as we thought while we were talking for the last forty five minutes. Alvin Bragg's been talking too. His office just moments ago issued a statement after Jim Jordan and some other top Republicans in Congress demanded that Bragg testify before Congress about a possible indictment of former President Trump. Here's what it says. We will not be intimidated by attempts to undermine the justice process nor will we let baseless accusations deter us from fairly applying the law. Wow, that's just, that just resonates with me all the way down to my, to my spirit. He wasn't done. In every prosecution, we follow the law without fear or favor to uncover the truth. Our skilled, honest, and dedicated lawyers remain hard at work. I bet you that just toasted Jim Jordan. He's quivering in fear of what Alvin Bragg had to say. Let me tell you what Bragg is doing. And every time he opens his mouth and does something like this, it just confirms to me he thinks he's bulletproof. And I don't mean literally, but I mean he can say anything, he can take any action, and do it with impunity because nobody's going to hold him accountable. Think about it. Look in his rearview mirror. What has he done? Half of the felonies in Manhattan, half of them have been flipped to misdemeanors on his watch. Now, he's slapping that thing, you know, that rule of law thing that he swore an oath to, that he has supposedly been practicing throughout his legal career, he just spit all over it, probably did more to it. He doesn't give a rip. That tells you far more about what's going on. you got to remember this. When Alvin Bragg became the district attorney, He threw this investigation out. He called off all of his attorneys in his office that had been working on it when Letitia, Letitia James was the DA before. She's now the state attorney general in New York. 
He just cut it off because there was no there there. There was no way to get to anything at the end. Somebody got to Alvin Bragg. I don't think it was Alvin Bragg. He would not go back and pick up something that on his first day in office, he just closed the book on it. He wouldn't go back there and pick it up unless somebody that could talk to him and get to him talked him into doing it. I think that had a lot to do with what I just, and it was a a guess, maybe an educated guess, but Alvin jumped in his car and he took that ride out to the Hamptons and had a little come to Jesus, well, not come to Jesus, come to George meeting with Soros who said, buddy, I spent a couple of million bucks on you. You're going to do what you're told to do. You go pick that back up. Don't let this guy become president again. Now, George Soros is not a stupid person, and the others that walk in his circles aren't stupid. They wouldn't be where they are if they were stupid. And they know, they know that legally any of this stuff cannot constitutionally stop Donald Trump from running for president. You do realize that. Constitutionally, having a felony in your rearview mirror doesn't stop you from running for president. There are people out there that will say, you don't know what you're talking about, but I do. I do. It's a fact. The qualifications, the total qualifications for president are listed in the Constitution. And there's no prohibition against somebody who has broken the law from running and even if getting elected, serve as president. Now, Congress has tried to put some uh, principles in place about stopping somebody, but those don't apply. You know why? Because they're against the Constitution if it ever came to that. I don't think George Soros is really worried about Donald Trump as a politician or as a businessman. Trump's a wealthy guy. George Soros, if you look at the the pair and you compare the two, George Soros is filthy rich. And dollars and cents don't intimidate him. They never have. He's not worried about Donald Trump in that vein. What he's worried about is getting the job done, his goal and objective. Turn this nation upside down. That music means it's a wrap for the day. Thank you so much for being here. There's far too many of you crying. Brother, brother. 